This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. All right, so we have kind of an interesting session today that I'm excited about because I was told by Podcast Movements they've never ever had a full Q&A session, which is just Q&A. Because, you know, you always had these big presentations, which I've done in the past, where you squeeze like one or two questions in at the very, very end. But of course, the audience has a lot of questions, and I want to answer those questions. And so I said to the podcast movement guys, why not just have a full 45 minutes of almost solely focused on people in the audience who want to share their questions, get a shout out for their, uh, for their business. So people that are brave here, I want to make sure that you're letting people know what your podcast is or your business is or what it is that you do. I want people in this room to know what you do by the time you leave, if you're participating, which will be fun. And I'm just really excited to have this conversation because I know that there's a lot of times people leave conferences like this with a lot of pending questions. And I hope that I'm going to be able to answer some of these in the next 43 minutes that I have here today. First off, does anybody in here or has anybody in here heard of or listened to the show Entrepreneurs on Fire? All right, so for those people, I'll start with boom, shake the room, Fire Nation. So thanks for being here. And for those people that have not heard of Entrepreneurs on Fire, that's my podcast. I'm going to give about a two minutes or less real quick rundown about who I am, how I got to where I am today. My name is John Lee Dumas. I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire back in 2012. It was the first daily podcast interviewing the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Since then, I've interviewed over 3,700 successful entrepreneurs over the past 10 years. Um, the podcast itself has over 126 million total listens, and we get about 2.6 million listens per month of the podcast. And again, we're at a daily um, ritual now of releasing one episode of an interview with a successful entrepreneur every single day. One thing that we really pride ourselves on at Entrepreneurs on Fire is transparency. And if anybody's actually been to our website, you'll notice in the upper right-hand corner, we have this ticker that starts to tick up with a dollar sign next to it. And that's there because every month we actually share all of the details of our monthly income. We call it the monthly income report. We've been doing this now for 107 months. We've released the exact numbers of the revenue that our business has brought in, the expenses that we incur on a monthly basis for our business. We bring our lawyer on every single month for a legal tip for entrepreneurs. We bring our accountant on for a tax tip to help people in the tax game when it comes to becoming an entrepreneur because there's a lot of nuances that a lot of people don't understand. And then again, like I mentioned, we list out 
all of our revenue so people can see what's working for us in the podcasting business online marketing game, all of our expenses so you can see what we are investing in to make our business better, um, as well as all the successes that we're having on a month-to-month -month basis. So hopefully those can be emulated by people that are consuming this content. But just as importantly, we're listing out our mistakes and our failures that we're having on a month-to-month -month basis. So hopefully people can avoid those mistakes that we're making because we've already made them. So we've been doing this now for a decade. Um, started in the state of Maine moved to San Diego to continue this podcasting and entrepreneurial journey. Then back in 2016, a couple people in my life, my CPA and some other individuals said, you know, you're paying a lot of money in taxes right now living in California. We moved to Puerto Rico in 2016, and we've been there now for six years, and we'll never leave. And I keep saying we because my, my lovely bride, Caitlin Erickson, is right here in the front row. And she's joining me on this journey for all 10 years. So it's, it's been a, a lot of fun. And we, we really do enjoy it. So I'm happy to answer questions, by the way, on that side of the fence about finances, taxes, why we moved to Puerto Rico specifically. You know, long story short, we were paying 51% in taxes. Now we're paying 4% in Puerto Rico, no state, no federal, just 4% flat tax. And you're living on a Caribbean island that's an American territory, a lot of awesome things there. I can dive deeper if that's of interest to people in the room. But the reason why I wanted to start by sharing um, why we're so transparent is because when I started back in 2012, I was inspired by other people who were being transparent with their business, maybe sharing their income or how they were making money or having success. And I said, if I ever achieve a level of success in my business, I wanna be that same inspiration for other people to show them exactly what's working, what's not working, what can be emulated, what can be avoided. And I wanna bring that transparency to this audience today, to anybody that wants to ask a question, nothing's off the table. You can ask any question you want. I might not answer the question, but the only reason I might not answer is because I don't know the answer. And I'll be happy to say, I just don't know. Like, I'm totally fine saying I don't know. Um, but I will probably answer every question um, that I'm able to, no matter how personal or invasive it may seem. Because again, we love being transparent. We love being an open book. So please, be brave, be bold, ask any question that you have in your heart, in your soul. And again, we're gonna also reward people that step up with um, a shout out about your business and what you do and make it very interactive. So I've essentially just wanted to give that introduction about who I am, the business we've built, what I'm looking to do today, and why I'm looking to do it in this manner. And now it's on you, it's on the audience. So we have a mic runner. So we'd love to start with some questions. And again, we're gonna use the rest of the time here on people in the audience. And we have some people that are raising their hands already. So if you wanna just kind of come here, we have front row, middle row, back row. And let's just start here by saying, when you grab the mic, introduce yourself, say your name, where you're from, your business, and then let's hear your question. All right, can you hear me? 
So my name is Heather Zeitzwolf. I'm from Portland, Oregon, and my podcast is called Get the Balance Right. It's for rebels, freaks, misfits, and geeks who are monetizing their passion. So I'm a CPA, and I help my clients uh, be very profitable in their businesses. So I love your show. I've read your book, and I'm just wondering about, well, I have two parts to my question. So one is about your avatar. So in your book, you talk a lot about your avatar, and I'm wondering, has your avatar kind of changed and morphed over the years? And my second question... Well, let me just start with that. Okay. And then we'll go to your second part. Okay. So first off, because there's a lot of things I want to say. First off, thank you for sharing that and what your show is. And I want to just kind of bring attention to one thing that I love about podcasting, and especially how podcasting's evolved, is the riches are in the niches. Like the more niche that you can get with your podcast, with your avatar, especially in the, the world that we live in today, 2022, the more chance of success your podcast has. And so I love the niche that you've chosen. I love how you really went for it. You fit your brand that you're talking about, you know, with just your everything. So you're, you're living your brands. So I commend you for that. I think that's fantastic. And as far as the avatar, so what is the avatar? So for me, the avatar is defined as the perfect listener of your show. And listener is singular. That's one person. I didn't say, like, what's the broad demographic of your show? I said, who's the perfect listener of your podcast? And I make sure everybody who's in our podcasting community, Podcasters Paradise, you're going to sit down and watch a very long, lengthy video about creating your perfect avatar. And that perfect avatar, again, is your one perfect listener. You need to know that person inside and out because that person will be your North Star. For every fork in the road that you come to, you can go back to who that perfect listener is and make the decision that's right for them. Otherwise, you're going to be paralyzed at every question you have, every fork in the road. You're going to spend a lot of time, energy, mental bandwidth trying to make a decision, which might not even end up being the right answer because you're the host of your show. You're not the perfect listener. Why are you making all the decisions for your show when you can create your perfect avatar, who you know your perfect listener is, and have that individual guide your ship, be your North Star? So to answer your question specifically, my avatar that I launched with back in 2012, his name was Jimmy. He's 42 years old. He has a wife and two kids, ages three and five. He has a 20-minute drive to work every single day. He sits in a cubicle at a job he does not like. He drives home every single evening, spends time with his kids, has dinner with his family, puts his kids to bed, hangs out with his wife, and then he sits on the couch and he wonders why he spends 90% of his waking hours doing things that he does not enjoy doing, commuting, his job, commuting, and only 10% of his life doing things he loves doing, spending time with his family and his kids, and how can he elevate himself from that? And that's what my podcast was for, was to elevate my Jimmy, that 42-year-old father of two kids who wanted to find his purpose, his passion, an idea, his drive, the next X number of years of his life. And so to answer your question, and with finality, my avatar personally has not changed in, in 10 years because my show is still serving that same avatar. I've seen shows whose avatars have adjusted over the years, like as your business grows, 
you may absolutely find that you're speaking to a different person or maybe there's two potential avatars that really make sense and you kind of want to be speaking to both of them so you're developing a second avatar and you're really speaking to both individuals now, which makes it a little more tricky, but you can still do that right. So there's no black or white with this question. It's just like the answer is you as an individual need to know who your perfect avatar is. If that changes over time because your show has changed, your business has changed, the macro or micro economics of the world have changed, your avatar can change. In my case, it has not yet. Ask me this question in five years, maybe it has. What's the second part? Okay, so I've, I wanted to ask you actually about boom shake the room, so it's funny you said that, and then you have some sort of other catchphrases, and yep. you always start your interviews with, you know, tell us something that people don't know about you. Do you think that all that consistency has helped you in your, um, I don't know, as like your character, I'll just say, uh, and, yep. and how you get a following just from being consistent with the things that you repeat? So, great question, because I've created a lot of things that are unique to my show that my listeners have come to know and expect over time. I have a couple things I say at the beginning of the show, like, boom, shake the room, light that spark, who's ready to rock. Like, I just have a few things that when you press play, it'll be the first things you hear, like one of those very few kind of catchphrases. And then I always ask that question um, at the beginning, share something that you believe about success that most people disagree with. To kind of start with a little controversy, potentially a little polarization where the guest is gonna share something that you know maybe we don't all agree with, which I think is good. I like that non, like let's just not like all agree about everything. I kind of like bringing that in at the beginning of the show. And then somebody in the front row just said value bomb. And that's one thing I'm always like, when somebody says something, what I think is very interesting on the show, I'm like dropping value bombs. So I have like phrases like that. One thing that I always do in my show that I think is very important, I'm surprised more podcasters don't do that, is I'm interviewing somebody and I'm talking to them and we're having a conversation. But then I'll literally, and I mean literally, I'll turn, even though it's audio only, I'll turn away from my computer and I'll say, so Fire Nation. What I just heard this person say is X, Y, and Z, and this is what I really got away from, uh, took away with uh, from this, and I really hope that you get some value along these lines as well. So I will take the podcast interview from this, my listeners, a fly on the wall, and I'll turn it into a situation where. I'm speaking directly to them to make it a more intimate conversation. And I really don't see podcasters do that at all, or not enough at least. And I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, so yes, I like to bring a lot of things into my show that kind of feels like home. You know, like a lot of people have that thing when you walk into your house and like my mother loves Maxwell House coffee. So when I walk into my house and I smell that coffee, it's like a scent from home. And I want to bring that kind of vibe to my podcast where when people press the play button, it kind of feels to them like they're coming to a place that they like, that they recognize, that they remember, instead of on like a, you know, level of sense of smell on more of an auditory level. So I think that's very important. So two uh, very good questions. Thank you for starting us off like that. And we have somebody in the way back, I see, in the pink. You want to run back there? 
Hi, John. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jessica. I'm the founder of Interview Connections. And we were just talking about HubSpot's podcast network. And I want to know, what does it look like for you to be on their network? How much money are you making from being on a network? And what are the... I'm giving you a lot of questions. You just answer them. Spend the next 30 minutes talking about HubSpot's podcast network. <laughs> So uh, Jessica and I have been friends for many years now. In fact, I just um, was chatting with her, and her business, Interview Connections, is nine years old. So give her a round of applause for that, because she's one of the people that was back here at the second ever podcast movement in 2014. And this is, there just wasn't a lot of business and industry around podcasting, because we were just like, people didn't know about podcasting. It was just like this fun kind of indie thing that we were all doing. And, you know, I love where podcasting's gone, don't get me wrong, but now you see, you know, just, you know, there's a lot of big corporations here like, that are coming up and they're having panels and this and that, and they're bringing a lot of money and attention to the game, which is fantastic. Uh, but it's always great seeing people that started, you know, way back. So definitely check out Interview Connections. They're doing some cool things. And for Entrepreneurs on Fire, for really nine of our 10 years, so at starting at year one until now, so for the last nine years, one of our major revenue streams has been podcast sponsorships. Um, that's a really um, big part of our monetary revenue on a month-to-month -month basis, and it's actually only grown over the past few years because of what I was just mentioning. Like, there's some really big players coming in with really deep pockets, and they're bringing a lot of good things into the um, industry. Money, attention, technology. I mean, it's crazy what's available out there, and it's really exciting. Uh, about 15 months ago, I was approached by HubSpot, and they essentially said, hey, we're starting a podcast network. We realize the power of podcasting. We realize the ability that podcast has to elevate um, a brand like a HubSpot, even though they're a massive company, 7,000 employees, international. They still saw the value of creating this creator network and this podcasting network that was gonna be a part of what they do. And so we went back and forth. We had a conversation. It was fantastic. They said, hey, we basically want to sponsor every single one of your podcasts. And we don't want to come in and do it for like a month. Let's sign a two-year contract. So it was the first two-year contract that we ever signed, which is fantastic. We had a, a multiple one-year contracts. But, you know, they came in. They said, let's just go two years and let's go big. Um, and it's just been a fantastic experience. We're now over 15 podcast within the HubSpot podcast network with some really big names like Jenna Kucher, Amy Porterfield, um, John Jantz, Donald Miller. And one thing I love about what HubSpot's doing is they're helping the, the podcaster grow our podcast. Like my podcast went from 1.1 million when I started with them um, 15 months ago to now 2.6 million. And some, some part, and that's per month, um, some part of that is because they allow us as a podcast network, podcasters, we promote each other's shows as the, as the sponsorships. So we're all ships rise in a high tide. So if you're able to join a podcast network that's doing similar things to that, I think it can be a good win if it's the right fit because if they're looking for the podcast hosts and the podcast themselves to win together, 
you will see that all ships will rise in a high tide. Now, I'm not saying all podcast networks are like that. Um, definitely do your due diligence, but there can, it can definitely be a win for your show. And there's actually a session tomorrow about podcast networks uh, if you want to check it out. So definitely look at your schedule and make that happen. Next question. Hey, John, thanks for doing this. This is awesome. Uh, cool. My name is Kevin. I have a show called Grow the Show, super meta, uh, teaches folks how to grow and monetize their podcast. And a lot of the folks in my audience look to OGs like you for what to emulate, right? How to grow a show, how to create a fantastic podcast business. My question for you is, you know, you're several levels ahead of like all of us here. <laughs> so like, what are, what's one or two things that you're doing today that you actually wouldn't recommend someone who's looking to get their first thousand followers or first thousand podcast listeners do? So one thing that I'm doing today that I would not recommend a lot of podcasters that are starting a new podcast or in the early stages of podcasting, and this might surprise a lot of people because it does when I tell any individuals that I'm coaching on like a one-on-one -on -one level, I would not interview other individuals for your podcast. Now, that is surprising in a lot of ways because I will tell you that when I launched my podcast in 2012, interviewing people was fantastic for me because I got to connect with Tim Ferriss and Gary Vaynerchuk and Barbara Corcoran and, you know, just the names and the list, Tony Robbins, I just go on and on and on. And it was fantastic. And this is back in 2012, 2013. There weren't that many business shows out there. So when the episodes would go live, these guests would share with their audience. And these people, because they'd only been on one or two other podcasts before, maybe none. They'd be like, oh, I was just interviewed on this thing called a podcast. Like, let me blast it out to my whole email list and post it all over social media. Like, here's the link. And my show would just grow and grow and grow by my guests marketing my show for me for free and doing a seven-day-a-week show. It was happening every single day of the week. And this the snowball effect grew my show to thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions and to now over 126 million listens and to this day I still do interview podcasts seven days a week because I launched in 2012 and I built up Entrepreneurs on Fire to the powerhouse business that it is right now and it's a show that has the momentum the brand and frankly I've done 3,700 interviews now I'm a decent interviewer at this stage, and most people are not good interviewers when they start a podcast, which, by the way, I was not a good interviewer when I started my podcast. Like, it took time putting in the reps. And so now you're just seeing this, you know, repetition of all these shows that are launching of like, I'm going to launch a once-a-week podcast or a couple-day-a-week podcast. I'm going to interview X, Y, and Z people in this industry. And it's like you just have the same people getting interviewed five, 10, 20 times, and the podcasters asking them the exact same questions, and then the interview goes live, and the person already has three or four interviews that have gone live that month anyway, so they're not sharing the show, because why would they share the show? Because they can't. Like, when I'm interviewed on other podcasts, and I'm always asked the exact, like, five same questions, I can't share that show with my audience, because my audience knows all those answers, because they've heard it a million times before. 
And this is just the state of the industry right now, but I think it's an exciting opportunity for people that ask the smart questions like you did, Steve, and you ask the question of like, like, what would I do if I was launching a podcast? Like I would, going back to what I said, shared earlier about riches are in the niches, I would say, how can I sit down right now and think of a really big idea in this world? And then within that big idea that I'm excited about, what is a niche within that big idea that I'm also excited about, that I also have knowledge about, but that there's a void in the marketplace or there's an underserved market within this niche, within this big idea, and then how can I become the number one solution to that problem and create a podcast from that? Not by interviewing people, because you interview people, you've got their intro story, you've got the hemming and hawing back and forth. I'm not trying to downplay interviews. I do interviews seven days a week, but I'm just saying there's problems with interviews that needs to be thought about and addressed. And the reason why a lot of shows don't succeed, for all the reasons I mentioned, Whereas you think of a big idea, a niche within that big idea that you're excited about that's not being served in the marketplace, there's a void there, you become the best solution to a real problem within that space, and then you create a topic-based show where you sit down one day and you write down the top 50 problems that people have on that topic and then you write down the best 50 solutions to those problems, and you just created a 50-episode show right there with maybe an hour's worth of work that you're gonna do Mondays and Thursdays or Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, or maybe you're gonna get aggressive and do a daily show. You already have almost two months of content by just writing down 50 problems and 50 answers, and believe me, people that need the solutions to the problem that you're giving solutions to, when they find your podcast, they're not going to want to listen to a 40-minute interview that maybe touches upon that in some way, shape, or form, and it's one person's opinion. They're going to much prefer hearing a concise three to five minutes, really value-packed, solo topic-based podcast that has the exact solution to an exact problem and once you deliver that one time, they're going to say, well, there's 20 episodes this person's already produced on this. They're going to go back, listen to your entire back catalog. You can create seasons and series around these things where now you're breaking them up into different formats and the different seasons and series. So when somebody has a, a question, you go back to season three. I did a 10-episode series season three on that exact topic, listen to it, check it out. And now you're becoming a solution to a real problem. Because if there's one thing, and thank you for mentioning my book, it's the common path to uncommon success. And if there's one summary, a one sentence summary of that book, become the number one solution to a real problem in this world. If you do that, people will beat a path to your door because people want the number one solution to a real problem. People don't want the second or 10th or 400th best solution to a real problem. And what I see so often in the podcasting industry, and by the way, every industry, 
is people say, look at that person. They're successful. They're doing something good. And they become a pale, weak imitation of that individual. And nobody wants a pale, weak imitation of somebody else. They want the real, genuine version of you. And every one of you in this room has something amazing that you can become an expert in that you're passionate about so you can literally look in the mirror and say, I'm the number one solution to this real problem. Now, in 2012, you didn't have to do that because there was so few people in the space. But even with the fact that I didn't have to do that, I still said, how can I differentiate myself from the other eight interview business podcasts? And for me, it was a quantity thing. Everybody was once a week. And I said, I want to be the first daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. So the first day that I launched, I was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the worst daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. So think about how you can potentially become the only or that your competition there, for whatever reason, is just so low that you can squash them essentially day one. And by the way, you don't need to stay down there in that niche. As you grow and your business grows and you gain momentum, you can expand and you can do some really cool things. Next question. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, John. Uh, I'm Aaron Walker from Nashville, Tennessee, starting a new podcast, View from the Top. Uh, the reason I want to thank you, I want to make a statement rather than asking a question. This room is full of people that because of you are starting podcasts. You gave me an opportunity eight years ago to be your guest, and I want to publicly thank you for that. There's no way I would have ever done this. I didn't even know what a podcast was 10 years <laughs> ago. And as a direct result of your influence, uh, you caring, you showing compassion and care for other people, Thousands of people have started a podcast. Millions of people are getting an opportunity to hear your wisdom. And I just want to thank you publicly for all you do for this community. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Aaron Walker, iron sharpens iron. He's got a booth downstairs. Definitely worth a conversation with him. Hello. Uh, my name is Diana Merriam. I'm the host of a show called Optimal Finance Daily. Um, this show has been around for about seven years. I took over as the new host two years ago. So I don't own the show. I'm just basically the talent. Um, and I took this job because my other business, I um, produce a conference called Economy. And it's basically a party about money built for the FIRE movement. Anyone familiar with the FIRE movement? Financial, Financial independence, retire early. Yes. <laughs> Boom, baby. Um, and so I made an assumption that basically these producers would be paying me to market my business as the host of their show. We get about half a million downloads per week for Optimal Finance Daily. And what I'm realizing is that the core audience of Optimal Finance Daily is not the core audience that would buy tickets to my event. They're very different people. And so I made an assumption that was wrong. And my question to you is, are there assumptions that you've made in your business, decisions that you've made based on assumptions, that you've later realized were wrong 
but it worked out okay anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I want to step back and say that's an example of what I would say is a great name for a podcast. So many people always come to Podcasters Paradise or some other you know, event that we're having and they're struggling with their name. And I say, listen, there's two things that a name should really try to have. It should have clarity and it should have some cleverness. But of the two, always focus first on clarity. And so when anybody looks at Optimal Finance Daily, that's the name, right? Optimal Finance Daily, they're going to know exactly what they're getting. They're going to be getting, you know, some clear content daily around finance. And that's what you want your avatars to see when they're scanning the hundreds of thousands of little avatars that are like this this big on the Apple podcast or wherever they're they're looking for the podcast you want them to really recognize that like okay this shows for me I get it right away so that's super super important super clear so I know you said that you didn't launch that but that that's just an example I wanted to step back and say so important when it comes to branding and be thinking about that it's like again it always goes back to what we were sharing earlier who is my avatar who is my avatar? Who is my avatar? Like, who do I want to be speaking to and to be clicking with me? So your question is an interesting one. Um, we've definitely done things that have not worked. As I mentioned with our income reports, we try things, we fail at those things, or we just don't hit the levels that we want and we move away from those things. But as far as launching something that I wasn't really expecting to kind of like, or I was expecting and it took me in a different direction, Anything coming up for you, Kate? Yeah, so maybe I'll tell a quick story of Potter Platform. This isn't directly answering the question, but like I mistakenly thought back in 2013 that what my audience needed, because I didn't ask them, what I thought they needed was a place that um, they could just record a quick or a long um, MP3, so an audio clip, raw, then they would send it to me and my team that I was going to create. We would edit it. We would splice in the sponsors. We would host it on, on Libsyn. We were going to buy our own Libsyn like, enterprise account and host it there. And we were going to do all these things. And, and they were, so they were essentially just going to be the voice. And that was it. And like, everybody was like, yeah, that's great. That sounds like that'd be cool. And then we launched it and two people signed up. One person quit within 24 hours or refunded in 24 hours and the other person was a nightmare they're like you missed the um at minute 37 43 and I was like oh my god and so I was like thank god this actually flopped because I realized too late that it was a bad business for me now businesses have launched since then that have gone on to do great things in that space they're here to, they're here today and they're they're doing great things but in 2013, it wasn't the right time. I wasn't the right person to run that business. It wasn't what I was looking to do. And so we shifted that instead into Podcaster's Paradise, which has turned out to be a huge success now for nine years. It's the biggest paid podcasting community in the world, how to create, grow, and launch your podcast. But I learned my lesson from Pod Platform. So before building the team, putting in all this money and time and effort, we pre-sold Paradise. I said, hey, Fire Nation, I'm not doing a thing. Just for the record, I'm not putting in a minute's worth of work into Podcasters Paradise. 
until I have 20 people who have signed up at $250. Once I get that, in 45 days, I'll spend those 45 days putting in the work, creating Podcasters Paradise, and when the doors open, it'll be $500. So you're getting a 50% discount by being an early bird, but if I only get two, it's not happening, but if I get 20, it will. And I sold that over a weekend, and we got 35 people to sign up, pay $250, and so then Kate and I went heads down for 45 days, and we created a podcaster's paradise, opened the doors at $500, and have just since then grown that business. And so I think that's a, a great takeaway for anybody in here. If you're thinking about doing something, and your audience is telling you they want you to do that, make them vote with their wallets. Like, I don't know if people were at a session earlier today, I was here, and they were talking about merchandise. And the woman was like, when somebody, t when one person tells you they want merchandise, or they want like a tote bag, I thought she was gonna say, 10 people really want it. She goes, 0.25 people actually want it. She's like, it takes four people telling you they want something for one person to actually end up buying that thing. And I think it's definitely the same thing when it comes to courses, communities, masterminds, services. So really make sure you can pre-sell stuff like this. So before you put time, energy, effort, bandwidth into it, that you're making that happen. So it wasn't an exact answer, but I think it's still a valuable content for the audience here. Next question. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Julian Godoy. I am the host of a podcast called um, Immigrantes. And uh, I'm sure you can tell from my accent, I was born and raised in Texas, so. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Actually, I'm, I'm a Brazilian immigrant, and that's, uh, I've been here in the US for almost 10 years now, and that's the reason why I started my, my podcast, you know, to talk about the journey of the Brazilian immigrants here in the US, but it's focused on entrepreneurs, right? So I interview, you know, I, I learned that I make one mistake, right? So it, it's an interview podcast, so every Monday interview, uh, Brazilian that moved to the U.S. and launched his or her business here and learn about their stories, their struggles, and share them with the audience, right? Uh, I've been live for six months now, and I'm sure that, you know, as many of us here who, who is launching, like, a new podcast, uh, I'm struggling to break through, right? So viewership, you know, et cetera. I get, like, many comments, let's go offline, right? Very few people interact on whatever, on social, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one or two tips of wisdom other than hanging there to break it through. What's your current frequency? Weekly. Once a week, and that once a week show is a interview? It's a one hour interview, yes. Okay. So I think somebody who have been, some people who have been paying attention might know what I'm about to say. Um, it's hard to break through the new show that's once a week, an hour long interview, despite how good the topic might be. Not impossible, but it's just hard. So if I were you, and I really wanted to make a go at this and make this a show, I would keep the once a week interview, if you want. Maybe I'll bump it back to like once every two weeks because that's a lot of work to like find somebody, schedule them, interview them for an hour, edit, do all that stuff. And there's a lot that goes into that, I understand. And I would sit down and I would say, well, before I actually answer this last part, can you give them the microphone back real quick? Um, and, and I mean, in 20 seconds, who's your perfect listener? Be quick. Um, probably someone, again, a Brazilian immigrant that, that moved here and, uh, and it's 
thinking about uh, okay. starting a business. That's all I need. That's all I need. So number one, I hope you listen to me about the avatar answer, and you're going to really sit down and spend some time crafting one perfect listener, not like a broad demographic of somebody that's moving somewhere from somewhere. Like one person, his name's Rodrigo. He lives in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he's moving here for a specific reason. Like that's step number one. You need to have a clear idea who your perfect listener is. Then you need to sit down and write out his 50 biggest problems in life. You know what his 50 biggest problems are? Write them down. And then beyond your once a week, hour long interview, that's, that's on a Monday, the other six days, and I mean six days, you should be releasing a three to five minute episode that's just answering one of those problems with a podcast, with a three to five minute podcast. You're solving one of those problems with a bite size three to five minute podcast episode that by the way, a lot of people say, John, you interview somebody seven days a week? Like, do you do anything else? Like, I work five days a month. That is a month. Now, I had to build my business up years to get to that point with the right team and the right systems and automations. I worked a lot the first few years, believe me. But I'm there now, so it's very possible because every Thursday, I have eight interviews back-to-back. So I work that one day per week where I'm interviewing all of, my interview, all of my guests. And then the other six days of the week, I'm not working or I'm doing very, very minimal stuff um, around the business, around the podcast, and I've got there. So my point of this is you could sit down one, like two or three hours one day per week and be knocking out like 10 or 20 of these bite-sized interviews because they're just back-to-back. You just have the question, you're saying, Hello, my name is, you know, John, and today's, you know, today's problem is this. Here's the solution. And then you go back to back to back, and you have a whole content worth. Now, you get the point. I wanted to go a little bit deeper, but we have time for one more question. Hi. Hey, John. Thank you. Um, my name is Maya Acosta, and I'm the host of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions. And I, it might be, you might have already answered my question, but I, what I found that works for me now I'm not saying I have a lot of listeners, but it's making myself an expert, sort of like what you just said. So I've been podcasting for four years, and I was mainly interviewing. And then it dawned on me, I'm the one that's doing all the research. Right. I invite health professionals that speak about nutrition and exercise and stress management, but I'm the one reading all the books. I'm the one that's preparing for my, for my guests. And then when I started adding that second episode once a week where I'm sharing 15, 20 minutes of what I've researched, suddenly I have credibility that way. Suddenly I'm the expert. My question to you about that is partly what you have already covered, which is I have a colleague who's also a podcaster and she drops names all the time. Oh, I'm having so-and-so on my podcast. And when I started my podcast, I didn't want to be that person interviewing the same people that everybody in my genre is interviewing. So at what point do I do bring a big name do I need them to make me more credible because they make an appearance on my show? So you absolutely do not need them to make you more credible whatsoever. You're the expert. You're the person that has done the research, has you know, developed skills and knowledge in a certain level of expertise in what, what it is that you do. And one thing I like to share people kind of visually is when you're the podcast host of an interview-only show, that's me, 
what is our job is to take the spotlight and shine it on our guests. And that's what I do. And I do that seven days a week with my guests on Entrepreneurs on Fire. Now, have I still been able to build a personal brand because of that? Absolutely. I've been able to do it. It's taken me 10 years, and it's taken a lot of work, but I've done it. And when I started, it was a lot less busy of an industry and a platform and a media, but it's still possible. But when you are the only person on the microphone, and you have the knowledge, and you're the person that's done the research and have the answers, and you just have the spotlight on you. And so now you're building your brand to your listeners. And that's super valuable and important to what you're trying to build. So hey, if somebody comes to you and they say like, hey, wow, like I would love to be on your show and you're like, this is the person that would make a great guest, bring them on. There's no reason to not intersperse fantastic guests when the time is right. However, there is an absolute power for you to take ownership of that spotlight, to take the content and the knowledge that you've gathered and to share that because it's all going to go back to what we've been saying, which to me is the really number one theme of not just podcasting, but of building a business around content creation and adding value to this world. Are you the number one solution to a real problem in this world. And if you're a number one solution to a real problem in this world, you're going to find a way to win. So instead of you know, diluting your spotlight in your words, in your knowledge, by having guests on that you know, may or may not be delivering the value that your avatar needs, this is your show. And I would take ownership of that show occasionally bring on the right guest, but make it your show. And I would, what's your frequency? Just yell it out. Twice a week. I would up it to a minimum of three days a week. And I think it's time for you to step up to maybe do five days a week and not everyone has to be 15 to 20 minutes. Maybe the two of them are 15 to 20 minutes more in depth. And then three of them are two to three minutes, just a quick, question and answer or a problem that one of your audience members is sending in. Like you don't need to have this consistency of time. What you need is more content. And doesn't, more content doesn't mean you're working hard. You work smarter. Like again, I'm working one day a week to create a 365 day a year show. That's key. Any more questions? A lot of questions. Getting the lasso back there, though, so unfortunately, it is over. But my friends, I hope you guys got some value from this. It was awesome and exciting. People told me that it couldn't be done, that people wouldn't have enough questions, but I think that did prove to be the case. So enjoy your lunch. Enjoy the conference. I'll be around. Feel free to come up and ask me questions throughout the conference. I'll be here.